0: Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational.
1: It's all right. I think you're an egghead every day.
0: I know, it's fine. And the glasses is like totally thrown off my whole look, but I am so blind without them now. I I can't believe I was actually navigating like earth without them for the last two years. I mean, it just like tanked. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. You are here for an episode of Misinformational. I am your host, Rebecca Jones, and I am here with my co-host, the always lovely and stuck in Florida, Cindy ben How are you today? I am
1: great. I am stuck in Florida, but at least it is, you know, we're enjoying what it is that is lovely and enjoyable about Florida. And that is like warm weather and it's sunny and a nice little breeze here. So uh, that's good. You know, you know, just uh, other than the whole like, you know, seed of the end of our democracy thing.
0: Yeah, so that's great. And continued um, discussion of things that are controversial and, and doesn't seem to be reasonable with anybody. We are going to talk today about the timeline of the hospital bombing in Gaza and the oh. shitstorm of information that has come out over the last week. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, this has been a fun one. Yes, uh, yes. Follow because it has so many ridiculous twists and turns. And um, I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure that the IDF like, is Putin's envy right now for their ability to rapidly disseminate disinformation and have the American public just jump on board with it. Um, so yeah. if you're not aware, uh, on October 17th, a hospital inside Gaza was bombed Killed more than 500 people it was a terrible tragedy Um, that seems to be the only thing that everyone agrees on, and even that is now becoming subject to disinformation and yes there's a creepy critter behind me. but uh, now people are saying the hospital wasn't even bombed. But that's a later evolution. So the most most people agree that the hospital was bombed and 500 people died. The videos that were coming out of it, can I can't do this with you here. You know of dismembered children and body parts everywhere is was horrific. So what yeah. happened? Well, uh, the United Nations, the WHO. Uh, the gaza health ministry and hamas officials all released a statement saying our hospital was just bombed and there were hundreds of people there and there are no actual single pieces of human there anymore so we think you know at first the death toll was like 300 or something and just went up over time (laughs) you're getting the adorable babbling of my five-year-old in the background so immediately after the hospital was bombed,
1: um,
0: I'm not going to butcher anybody's names and just admit the fact that I, I can't say a lot of these names. Uh, his last name Neftali. He's a digital aide to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Tweeted at um, 10.58 p.m., Israeli Air Force struck a Hamas terrorist base inside a hospital in Gaza and celebrated it. And took credit. Israel took credit for it. Okay. It was very quickly deleted. Um, and then I'm at the. It was interesting because there was just dead silence on social media when this happened. Really? Like the IDF supporters weren't, you know, saying, "Oh my God, this is horrific. We never wanted something like this to happen. This makes us no better than them." Just dead silence. Nothing because Husky, mm-hmm. bombing a hospital in most contexts is an unforgivable act of war yeah,
1: like a and, war crime
0: yeah it's a it's a fucking war crime um so interestingly israel comes out late late that night slash the next day and says oh no we didn't do that bombing that wasn't us we think that was a misfire from the palestinian um hamas,
1: hamas yeah. yeah
0: Yeah. actually um, I,
1: I i even heard that not even hamas Potentially that it was
0: uh, yeah, that's that was the one of the twists and turns. Yep. The day before the bombing, they uh Israeli officials warned that specific hospital that they were going to be bombed. They had fired two warning shot missiles. I don't know how what a warning shot missile is in the vicinity as a as a warning, apparently, and then it was in fact bombed. And then Israel immediately takes credit for it. And everybody else is saying this was an Israeli mi- missile. And then maybe hearing that just dead silence, like where nobody's gonna cheer for this, they decided, oh, this is a bad look. We're gonna blame Hamas. So um, later that day, the IDF posts in their official account, a video that they claimed showed that the missile that blew up the hospital was in fact a failed, um, Palestinian rocket. And um, almost immediately afterwards, one of the journalists who's actually allowed to investigate these things still for some reason at the New York Times, um, um, Eric Toller, says that video can't be of the hospital being bombed. It's 40 minutes after the bombing, like at best 40 minutes after. And um, yeah, so he calls it out Immediately as being fake, and they delete it. They edit the tweet and take out the video, which you know, no big deal. Just lied and tweeted this video that's not related, and is from 45 minutes after you bombed that. You know, something else happening, and okay, whatever. We'll just not talk about that. That you deleted that video. So then, <laughs> this is this is going to get real fun, guys. On the 19th is when the, this is two days later, social media storm kind of ensues. For some Uh god unknown reason, a lot of the American press and most people, it seems, were taking the IDF on their very changing, murky word that they didn't do it, even though they said they did it. And then they deleted their video that didn't show that they did it and lied about when it was from, whatever. They took their word. And so um, it's become just an all out like war on social media. And, you know, people are, like, cutting throats online. Then on the 20th, um, so this is three days after, an international independent nonpartisan group that's won all kinds of awards for its, basically, coverage of war um, activities and bombings, that's what they do, uh, comes out with an investigation that they say shows that the IDF bombed the hospital because of the trajectory of, and, like, the I think of it as like (laughs) blunt. Okay, get down. The trajectory like of the blunt spatter, that's how they figure out where someone was shot and how tall they were and all that other stuff. it's basically the same thing, but with bombs. And so they come out with this report that was pretty huge for like five seconds saying that with you know, all of this preliminary evidence, they recreated the three like structure of the scene. Um, it was the IDF. It was a missile. And then the defense came. No, no, no. Israel doesn't bomb hospitals. Israel would never bomb a hospital. That was the de- first it was like, well, we don't know what happened or the, oh, it is bad, but they did it. And then the justification was, but Israel does not do that. Israel's a good country. Bullshit. Since October 8th, 51 medical centers, including a dozen or more hospitals, specific designated hospitals, have been bombed, admittedly, by the IDF. That was not even the first hospital they had bombed that day. Yes, the IDF does bomb hospitals. It bombs schools. It bombs UN refugee centers. Doctors, ambulances have been targeted. Journalists are targeted. They do that shit. So that whole argument to start was so ridiculous. And it literally... The guy who tweeted, oh, yeah, we bombed this hospital, when he retracted it, said, oh, yeah, we don't bomb hospitals. And I just was like, you were just celebrating bombing a hospital. But now it's morally reprehensible because you saw how people reacted when they found out you did it. And then um, between the 22nd and the 24th, people are still fighting about this. But some reporters are retracting their initial stories, saying that it was um, Israel— some are cautiously reporting that there are mixed views on it Mm -hmm. Um, and then a u.s spy agency yesterday releases a report saying that based on the intel they got from the idf they think it was a misfired palestinian rocket and people are thinking like that's going to be the end of it well Today, uh, the video that was used to make that justification, the New York Times had to retract its article based on that, because the IDF published it claiming that it showed a Hamas missile caused the explosion, but the explosion in the video was, in fact, an Israeli missile. So, the New York Times today, earlier today, had to retract an entire story. They're basically the retraction of the retraction. Um... Because they based all this information on a video that the IDF made available that was this whole basis for this, maybe we didn't do, they didn't do a thing. Turns out the missile, after they did their forensic analysis, was in fact an Israeli missile. So it has been a roller coaster of a week. Um, (laughs) And of course, now that that's coming out... um, People have pivoted again from you know bombing hospitals is horrible to well you know they use them as human shields. Like I'm so fucking sick. Curse around the baby of hearing that justification. Yeah, I cannot stand it. It's like a the complete cop out. Like, yeah, because the- well, it's, it's still a decision, a- right? I they did, killed them in a hospital or in a school, in a refugee shelter? They're like, well, they told them to evacuate. To fucking where? You can't even swim out of 17. Gaza right now in the Mediterranean Ocean because of all the warships. Hang on. I will after them, okay? I will make one for you. Here. This is what happens when you get your schedules all jumbled. Um... So, yeah, the video that they first posted was not of what they said it was. The second video that they claimed was the indisputable proof that it was a Hamas rocket failure indisputably proves that it was, in fact, an Israeli's missile. They cheered for it, took credit for it, and then immediately turned around to say they don't even do that, which is completely false. They've admitted to 51 since this siege started. Uh-huh. And if I swear to God, the human shields is the propaganda talking point right now, and it's fucking yeah. disgusting. Yeah. And if I ever meet someone who says that, I might just smack them. I was like, "You're gonna bomb a yeah. baby because of that? Like, that's not even an argument."
1: And it's still, it's still the decision, right? That's that's the discussion that I've been having with folks. Okay, so let's a
0: way to redirect blame. It's like, right, yeah, I that... bombed them, but they really are responsible. No, who bombed yeah. them? That's who pulled the trigger. That's who's responsible. It's like saying abuse victim, uh, deserved to be abused because they mouthed off to you once. It's like, no, that is not, that is not how this works. This is war. This is a war crime. It's a war crime. And the conclusion of all this to me and who knows what other developments are going to be underway with it. Um, nobody cares about the other 51 healthcare facilities that they bombed, including, you know, one that day, but, uh, It's like the facts never mattered. They never mattered. It never actually mattered who blew it up. Because no matter what, IDF supporters were going to blame Hamas. They were going to find a way to remove the blame from themselves if they had done it and blame Hamas. And even if it was a Hamas accident, you know, obviously they're still going to blame Hamas, even though clearly the misfired thing shows that they were not actually attempting to blow up their own hospital, but they still would have blamed Moss, no matter what. Well, no matter yeah. how bad the truth is, they were going to find a way to excuse it. So
1: here's a question I have. So if, if there had been all these other missiles and bombs that have gone off at other medical facilities in the region, you say 51, right? Why did this one get the most airplay? Do you think it was because... It, it was a high death toll? I don't know the comparative, or do you think it was because it looked like it was a reason to blame Hamas and that's why it got as much airplay as it did? This is why I'm I'm a little bit
0: curious. I think it's partly the shock in America of seeing it because the pictures and the video were almost instantly everywhere. We've talked about before how in America we shield people from graphic violence. You cannot find photos of mass shooting victims anywhere online. You can't find uh, photos of like this inside of Uvalde or of Parkland or of Sandy Hook or just name your school that's been massacred. You can't find that. We believe that victims rights to privacy and their families rights to privacy supersedes the public's right to know. Um, That is not the case in most of the rest of the world. And so TikTok, um, which is not censoring much of anything, and to a lesser extent lately, Twitter, um, have been allowing gruesome graphic videos to be posted uh, on specific topics and international war and conflict, one of them. And so this stuff hit almost immediately. And, like, I look at other incidents in other worlds, in other parts of the world, so I'm used to seeing that kind of stuff. But if you're not, um, that's the explanation. They wanted to know why there were parts of children scattered throughout this, looked like just outdoor kind of plaza area where all these people were sheltering.
1: Maybe that's actually the key because, yes, there was, this actually had been an area where... People who were trying to flee from the north as and evacuate as they were told had went to the hospital because they thought it would be less likely to be a target. So there was, I heard, upwards of a thousand people gathered in a courtyard outside the hospital.
0: Yeah, and so I, I think, and this is we've had this debate too about whether or not we need to see the pictures from Uvalde and Parkland and everywhere else because we're not fully appreciating the. The level of violence that these weapons do, and for right. a lot of Americans who don't know what the hell is going on, um, seeing a lot of a lot. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of dead children, pieces of dead children, children with skulls that are collapsed, or you know, half their face was blown off. It, it is very graphic. Um, that is the, the universal sympathy for children, innocent children, um, usually transcends cultures, races. Uh-huh. Um, not always, there are some bad people, but, uh, that, that will hit people and having that, I think motivated people to want to know what the fuck happened. And the IDF had already been caught in a string of lies that we covered, um, last time and has a credibility problem, uh, in the past. I mean, they were asked point blank by one reporter while all this was going on, um, Let me get, I want to say like the exact tweet because it's that ridiculous. So an IDF spokesman was being interviewed claiming that Israel didn't bomb the hospital. And the reporter said, I'd like you to address the question of credibility because the IDF, and this is a Jewish reporter, has a less than perfect track record with the issue of credibility. Um, And the IDF officer essentially says, yes, we were lying those other times, but not this time. That's his fucking response. Yes, we've lied a lot, but we're not lying right now. Trust us. And so it, it's just all of the physical el- el- like evidence and analysis points to it being Israel. But at this point, the issue has been so convoluted and yeah. so um, divisive that who actually did it is not going to be important anymore. Because right. the... Clear progression from dead silence to calling it an atrocity to bringing up the human shields, you know, to all this other crap. They don't care who did it. They're going to blame Hamas anyways.
1: Well, yeah. And, and part of the danger, really, of disinformation and something that, you know, Russia in particular has been very uh, adept at is confusion works the same, right? Like you don't necessarily have to convince somebody that the information that you're putting out is the correct information. You just have to muddy the water enough so that people don't know the answer so that they can't form opinions and feelings about it. And you'll have a certain number of people who will just start to tune out because it's too confusing. So, you know, I, I think that that's, that's something that I, I want our listeners who care about this to, to understand too, is that you don't always have to convince somebody that you're right. You just have to make it difficult to know the truth.
0: Yes. You know, surrounded with bullshit and then they won't be able to tell what's real and what's not. Mm-hmm. And so i mean we've i think all observed that the issue with israel is not like most other issues that we talk about with international conflicts there is an increased air of sensitivity there um there are a lot of very emotional aspects of all of this um if you point out anything that israel has ever done wrong which by the way the majority of israeli citizens do not support Netanyahu. They did not support him before this. They don't support him now. Trust in right. um, his government is at a 20-year low. It's like 28% trust the, anything coming out of the government. And that was done a week after the terrorist attack. So they do not like him. They do not trust him. They know his game. And nobody's talking about that, what the Israeli people actually think. But um, And I'm trying so hard to find ways to convey this comparison. And it's, it's kind of ironic because a week before the attack, I was like, if you replace Jewish with any other ethnicity, you see how like fucking absurd it is to hate Jewish people like, oh, you know, the Irish secretly run the World Banks or, you know, or the Croats, you know, are running operations, you know, to control the media or it, it just sounds absolutely insane. But, um, so I shouldn't be surprised, I guess, that things are different with this. But the best way I could sum it up today was comparing it to the way that we speak about the Russia um, war, uh-huh. if you could call it, that's going on over there. Americans all the time, myself included, say that Putin must be stopped. The Russians yeah. must be defeated. They must be kicked out of Ukraine. And, you know, if Putin dies, great. I mean, half of America's cheering when he had a supposed alleged heart attack I haven't fact checked that but I heard it so please if that's wrong don't believe it but we would we would cheer it because he's an awful person that has never been taken as if I say Putin is evil and he must be stopped it has never been a blanket statement that also applies to all Russians okay. like that does not mean that I'm for the indiscriminate bombing of Russian cities if I were to say that the Russians must be defeated and expelled from Ukraine, nobody would assume that I was also saying that I support the mass murder of innocent Russian civilians. If I said what Russia is doing is a war crime, which they've committed, I mean, the blowing up of the train station that was filled with elderly people and children evacuating, that's a fucking war crime.
1: Well, and the abduction of children. They're actually, he's got a warrant from the ICC. So yeah
0: that is in no way interpreted to also mean that I support the deportation of Russians from America, the persecution of Russian people, or the annihilation of Russia or Russia uh, citizens. Yet, any criticism of Netanyahu and the IDF is being inappropriately Mm -hmm. and intentionally used to apply to Jewish people, even though Mm -hmm. most Israeli citizens, do not support Netanyahu, and Israel does not represent every Jew in America or every person in the world with Jewish ancestry. They don't. And so it's so inappropriate to say that if I say, you know, ding-dong, good, uh, Putin's dead, which a lot of us will do, um, assuming the person who takes over for him isn't just more evil, which is a possibility, but anyways, we would not grieve him. Um that that would be a reflection of my feelings of children in Russia. And I think trying to continue, because there have been a lot of comparisons of this with, you know, Ukraine and Russia and some people comparing Gaza to Ukraine fighting back. And, you know, that's like, well, this isn't, first of all, it's not an equal fight. Um, we're talking about a single terrorist attack that happened that was awful, uh, indefensible, cruel, evil um and being weaponized now to justify the slaughter of thousands of children twice as many children have died since october 7th in gaza as the total number of people who died in the october 7th terrorist attack Mm -hmm. and it's going to keep happening and they're like well why don't we talk about the israeli thing i was like that happened There is no indication right now that another event of that magnitude is being planned or is actively being carried out. This is happening right now. It's going to happen tomorrow. It's going to happen the next day and the day after that and the day after that. People's lives are right now on the line and they're bombing the most vulnerable people in the world, which we all kind of agreed at that whole Geneva meeting um, is illegal under international law. And so, I, you know, they're like, oh, you're not talking about the terrorist attack. I was like, what would you like me to say? I spoke out about how horrific it was and how emotional, you know, it was to see this kind of thing happening because it was clearly a, an attack on Jewish people, not just on Israel. Um, you can tell that from the help that they got internationally. I was like, but that has been over and this is going to happen right now. I mean, it's literally as we say this, there are probably missiles being sent from Israel to Gaza that will kill someone. And that is the immediate need for the ceasefire and discussing that ceasefire. That's why it's important right now because this is stopping.
1: Yeah. And also we still have, you know, yes. So there's still the the, uh, hostages being held and I think it's appropriate to continue to work um, to try to get those folks released. There was a few people that were released already. Um, So there seems to be at least some good faith there that can be worked on. Does that like necess- necessitate a response of a ground invasion in Gaza? I, I, I also failed to see the. Connection. We haven't invaded
0: Russia, and even though they've kidnapped journalists, American journalists, and executed American journalists, right? We're not so even this- technically an active party in that whole situation. So, I mean, there's, I think now to less than 200 because they released some um, yesterday I believe people yeah. left in there aren't they at all concerned that indiscriminate bombing of buildings is going to kill some Americans I mean or some Israeli citizens because we still have Americans I think seven that are missing but apparently it doesn't not seem to
1: be a priority and and that was a, a criticism I'd seen as well people saying oh yeah no." that was all about the hostages and then it's like oh whatever we're going to invade Gaza uh so I one thing I want to say though on this, um, going back just reeling back a little bit on something that you had said. I, I'm in the middle of um a book by an Israeli writer. Uh you may have heard about him. He's you know, New York Times bestselling author, uh Yuval Noah Harari, right? He wrote um Sapiens that was popular a few years ago. Uh I'm now reading 21 lessons for the 21st century. So this was published in 2018. And one of the things that he said was really interesting. First of all, he's kind of um, talking about different strategies around how, how we are engaging in warfare. But the part that I just listened to, he was talking about as somebody who grew up in Israel and how the Israeli education system focuses on the Jewish people in history. And it's kind of like everything else is ancillary. Uh, so there's this kind of sense that a lot of Israeli people grow up with that their history is is super integral to everything else. Um, and I, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing to help us kind of understand some of the emotional and visceral response that we've seen uh, to this and how um, also the, the outsized uh, role that Israel has played on the international stage, right? Um, Because yeah, by comparison, it really should, this shouldn't be something that is like so super charged. Um, The other part that he was talking about uh, is about terrorism and the, the points of terrorism and how we as people have an outsized emotional response to terrorism, but terrorism is an action that is taken by entities that are inherently weak. They have no other ability to fight the state. And he uses actually Israel as a response, as as an example of that and how the terrorist activities, um, they captivate the emotions, but they're really coming from a place of weakness. So the best strategy, To combat terrorism is not to, you know, have a ground invasion or, you know, carry on a two decades long two front war in two countries that we don't know about, right? Uh, But is to stop the emotional response to it. Because the actual point and the actual power that the terrorists get is when the powerful entity has the outsized response and that then becomes a call for action of this otherwise weakened organization that engaged in the terrorism so right now even by the analysis of israel's own you know harari is that israel's falling into the trap israel's falling into the trap they've already done more killing they are really close to complete annihilation of all of the, you know, Palestinian settlements in Gaza Strip. And that is not going to solve this. That is not going to solve, that is actually going to exacerbate it. That is going to fortify that Hamas was right in their position. And it's going to very, very potent, like very dangerously draw in other factors from outside of the region because if people see that they are willing to essentially annihilate what a group of people that should otherwise be their citizens, why wouldn't they continue this? Because it's also rooted in culture and ethnicity and 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 religion as on top of geography. And it will start to really cause some problems and potentially explode outside of the Israeli borders. So That was just a little piece, especially because this book was written prior to this by a famed Israeli author um, that I thought was important to mention. Just keeping that top of mind um, that this outsized response that we're seeing from Israel right now is not only morally wrong and visually reprehensible, but it makes the, the terrorism effective. It makes it effective.
0: Yeah. And for the people attacking anybody who questions the always questionable IDF, um, it, it's so weird. We don't treat any other country in the world this way. Right. Like if we thought bullshit was coming from the UK, we wouldn't have a bunch of people in the United States ripping each other's throats out other whether or not the UK government lied. We just kind of blanketly accept that governments lie. They do it all the time. And ours does it all the time. Everybody's government fucking lies. And um, it's not supposed to be that way, though. The the, the mixing Transparency of, the the of, you know, people of Jewish um, ethnicity with the state of Israel is the hardest thing to tease apart. Because, again, this is a country with a government that can do things outside of what its people's wishes are because especially because of the way they run their government nobody voted for netanyahu um mm-hmm. so he's there anyways running shit but um or that they represent all jewish interests that is like that line of propaganda i think is probably been the most effective as far as convincing Americans. it's like like they speak for all jewish people no they don't no they fucking don't That's ridiculous. I know I have Jewish friends who absolutely support a free Palestine and and they do not agree with what's happening. And they don't find it personally insulting if somebody says bombing a hospital is bad. Bombing 51 hospitals is bad. But, you know, this is actually a lot like either way. um, My favorite doctor of disinformation from Gables, which I always keep Yosef Yes. Um, the reason this is falling apart and you see especially liberals so divided is because they broke the fucking rule. Credibility alone, this is his rule number seven, must determine whether propaganda output should be true or false. Now Gables and he says this lies consequently were useful when they could not be disproven. But he told the truth and his enemies lied because any lie that they told and were caught in damaged their credibility permanently. And no one would believe them in the future. And that is one of the rules that, you know, the Trump people break. It's one of the rules that um, is being broken in Israel right now. The only, I mean, there was a time thing that was much different back in the 1930s and forties. And that it's not instantaneously across all of the web and being fact checked by millions of millions of people with, you know, personal video where there were, it happened. They don't have those complications as far as credibility goes. Right. So they had time to measure a report and decide whether or not it was true before, you know, the right. next week's papers came out.
1: Um, Maybe that's why we live in the post-truth era, because now with all of the technology, you can just create so much confusion that credibility doesn't matter anymore. And credibility increasingly is linked to like, 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 like this, not likeness, but like whether or not you like somebody, right? People believe Trump. And so what Trump says is true to them, no matter what, right? Um, So... Maybe that's I'm trying to specific.
0: find a, one specific quote um, from him. I know I'm looking through Gables trying to find a quote, but he was the master of propaganda. And um the really executed. Yeah. yeah. Hang on, guys. We'll we'll cut down the look time for this.
1: That's why I stopped talking. Yeah. So I can just cut this part out.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I can't find the specific chapter, but it's a very long book. I mean, Gables wrote a lot of playbooks on propaganda, but um, the crux of his thing was that any lie that could be proven to be a lie was seen as something you should absolutely never do because it damaged your credibility. So you were to only lie if no one could prove that it was a lie. And the IDF is doing everything in the power to keep people from proving they're lying because they're not allowing journalists to go into Gaza. The only journalists right. in Gaza right now were already there when the siege started on the 8th. So, and a lot of them have been killed. They've been targeted and killed. And so um, there are people I have followed, it's very strange um, in the Palestinian movement, who just kind of went dark for a few days and I'm not the only one who's noticed this and then you find out they're dead. And it, it it's very, it's horrible. But um, blacking out press is also a Gables thing or controlling the information is classic Gables. But the more lies they tell, the less people are likely to believe them anyways. And that's why we're, it's very important even if somebody's our allies to call out when they're lying however yeah. inconvenient it might be, especially when it's dealing with a daily assault of hundreds of missiles that are killing innocent children. And it's not a good topic to talk about. I don't enjoy talking about that kids. I don't enjoy reviewing bodies of burnt children. Like we did when we talked about the beheaded baby thing, which was long debunked.
1: Okay. Um, and it's, it's damage,
0: but you know, It's a record just in the last month of IDF lying over and over and over again, getting checked on it, and then it just disappears. And that's why it's really important to quickly be able to verify whether or not something is true or not, because it goes to their credibility. Every time they bomb somebody, it it blows back in their face. They're just going to blame Hamas. and be like, oh, no, we didn't do that. And nobody's going to question them.
1: Yeah, I think we're in a very dangerous spot with all this, because I think in reflecting on some of the comments and that we got from the last piece that we did on this, where um, people were saying, Oh, it doesn't matter. It's a horrible thing. Like, why are you trying to, you know, you know, split hairs here uh, without kind of recognizing, yeah, how dangerous it is to have what should otherwise be a reputable state institution lying. Right. It's, it's a complete lack of transparency, a complete breach of public trust, and it should not This is not how we should be conducting states and nations. It is not conducive for anything other than authoritarian power.
0: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's, I've blocked so many people. I'm like, I'm at the point now, I was like, if you spread IDF propaganda on my page, I'm blocking you. It's not even fucking worth it. Um, and I've probably been blocked by people. I've lost about 2,000 followers. And okay, that's like 0.05%, whatever. Um, so <laughs> my total following, you know, that's fine. If I am not the person you want to follow or pay attention to, if you just want comforting information that isn't true. And I know what it's like to be the only person out there telling the truth when you have incredible odds against you or... Mm-hmm. The highest authorities where you live actively, you know, persecuting you and I'm not mm-hmm. going to shy away. I almost did. I almost walked the fuck out of this. I was like, you know what? This is insane. You can't say anything about this topic without being either called a terrorist sympathizer or right. you know, a Zionist it, it, it's in all directions. And, yeah. um, and so I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this. But I've dealt with worse. I've dealt with armed men in my house pointing a gun at my head and at my children. I think I can handle some social media hate. Um, yeah. and I'm just going to keep telling the truth because that is what's right. The yeah. ugly, cruel, inconvenient truth.
1: That's right. I think um, that's a great place to end.
0: Yes, it is. So we're going to talk about something other than this. Hopefully nothing else crazy happens this week. Um, Next time, but thank you guys as always for tuning in. Um, I'll let Cindy do the finals of pitch. And Absolutely.
1: Fantastic. I've been your co-host, Dr. Cindy Bagnier, along with Rebecca Jones, misinformational herself. So thank you for listening to this episode. If you would like to support our work, we would love to have you subscribe. Head over to the plans and pricing page on the Big Mouth Media website at bigmouthmediafl.com for $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. You help us keep independent media alive and keep telling the truth even when it is hard. That is part of what we do. Do here over at Big Mouth Media. So check that out at BigMouthMediaFL.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining Misinformational with Rebecca Jones brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting Misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on BigMouthMediaFL.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.